A reading from the first book of Kings, verse eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 23 to 41. <clears throat> then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands towards heaven and said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name, for they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm when they come and pray towards this temple. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you, so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your own people Israel, and may know that this his house I have built bears your name. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is a reading from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God the God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you, so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, Let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly, was ill and about to die. 
the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed, for I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, as quite a few of you know, um, Kirsty and I got back about ten days ago from a trip to South Africa to see our daughter Kylie, and it was absolutely wonderful. We had a fantastic time. And while we were there, on the two Sundays we were there, we went to two different churches, and, um, and they were lovely. They were very welcoming and very friendly, just like St. Matthew's. And it's also notable, and, and, and a wonderful thing, I think, that 20 years on from the abolishment of, of apartheid, um, when, when blacks used to be kept separate from white people, and, and, um, um, and it was a, a dreadful regime, 20 years on from that, both the churches that we visited had mixed congregations, black people and white people, which is a, a great thing, isn't it? Really encouraging. I'm not sure that all the churches there are like that, um, just as not all the churches in the UK are like that. But it was really good to see that real change was taking place. And I think that's helped me to come back from South Africa and uh, with, a, with a sort of renewed passion and, and sense of hope that St. Matthew's will become a real agent of change and transformation in the community in which God has placed us. Because we don't have apartheid, but we have other challenges in our community as well. And one of the questions I've been wrestling with is this. Is that is church just for people like us, or is it for everyone? Is the good news of the Christian gospel just for those brought up with church backgrounds, or is it for all kinds of people? Because if it really is for everyone, then we have to do two things, both of which involve being a church of open doors, hence the picture on the, on the front cover and up there. Um, they, we have to have open doors to go out from the church into the community and be good news to the community and take the good news of the gospel out. But secondly, we have to have open doors in a way which makes the good news understandable in here when new people come in. So let's look at our scripture readings briefly and answer that first question. Is church just for the in crowd, for the ones with the church backgrounds and so on, or is it for all kinds of people? Let's turn to our first reading, um, which is from um, the book of Kings, Solomon. It's on, if you've got your Bibles, it's on page 
345, or it's, you can follow it in the service sheets as well. Um, in that first reading, King Solomon has just built the temple. That he's, he's just built the new temple in Jerusalem, and he's installed the Ark of the Covenant, which was the most precious uh, possession where it was believed where, that God dwelt on the, on the Ark of the in the, on the Ark of the Covenant, and um, and Solomon is standing at the altar in the temple worshiping. And in verse twenty-two, it says, "Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread his hands out towards heaven." Um, and said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below, you who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. He praises God for his faithfulness to the people of Israel who believed that they were special God's chosen people. They believed they were the in crowd, if you like. But now turn over if you're in the Bibles, to, to verse 41. Um, it carries straight on in the, in the um, service sheets. And Solomon says, As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name, for they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray towards this temple, then hear from heaven. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you, so that all the people of the earth may know your name and fear you. And so Solomon, at least a thousand years before Jesus came, recognized that God's heart was not just for the people of Israel, not just for the in crowd, but for all the people of the earth, including foreigners as well, people outside the religious establishment. And he asked God to answer the prayers of others so that they would come to believe in God as well. The conclusion we draw from it, that the good news of God's love is for everyone not just a specific set of people. Now we fast forward a thousand years or more to the village of Capernaum on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee where our gospel reading takes place. And that's on page 1035 in the Bibles. And we have the story of God doing exactly what Solomon had asked. He's answering the prayer of a foreigner as Jesus heals the servant of the Roman centurion. I'm not really going to go through this in any detail, but mainly just to point out that this centurion was a foreigner. He was an outsider. In fact, most of the Romans were quite despised. He was obviously a quite well-regarded Roman centurion. But Jesus responds and answers his prayer to heal his servant because of the incredible faith which he displays in Jesus' power to heal simply by commanding it. Just like a soldier like the centurion, is used to issuing commands to those under his authority. And so once again, we see God reaching out to a people group who, according to the religious traditions, were not supposed to be part of God's people. Conclusion, the good news of God's love is for everyone, not just a select few. Now fast forward another 30 years, just a small fast forward, another 30 years, to Paul's letter to the fledgling church in Galatia, our second reading, that is, on page 1168, where he's addressing a problem in the new church. Because the church is made up of many 
non-Jews, in other words, outsiders, foreigners, whatever you like, who have accepted the good news of the gospel by faith in Jesus Christ, but, as Paul goes on to explain later in the letter, some of the religious traditionalists have stirred things up and started insisting that unless these non-Jewish people follow the long-established traditions, then they can't be part of God's people. And Paul is aghast at this, because he sees that they're putting up unnecessary barriers to new people coming into the church. He says in verse 6 that he's astonished that they are so quickly deserting the basis of their faith and turning to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all, because it's based on following the Jewish religious traditions rather than on faith in Jesus Christ. The conclusion, the conclusion is that Paul is pointing out that God's love in Jesus Christ is meant for all people, for everyone. Well, hopefully you've picked up a kind of developing theme here, and uh, the gospel, which is good news, is for everyone. For all those who have always gone to church, for all those who have never been to church, and for all those who, like me, at some point in their lives, have discovered or rediscovered that through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be changed and our lives can be wonderfully transformed and turned around for the better. And that's why we need to be a church of open doors to go out there into our community with the good news of the gospel to everyone. And we must make the good news understandable in here when people come in. So very briefly, a word about going out there and a word about being good news in here. Firstly, going out there. You'll be relieved to hear that going out there does not entail standing in Coronation Square with a megaphone like some people do in Broad Street on a Saturday afternoon in Reading, which is fine, absolutely fine for them, but it's not something that I'm asking you to do. It's about simply being open to telling those we know, family, friends, colleagues, social connections, all those in our normal circle of acquaintances, about the difference that it makes to have faith in Jesus and to be part of his church family. It's really simple stuff. At our home group this week, Martin told us of of some interesting uh, conversations he had in the course of last week. And I'm just going to put him on the spot and ask him to to just race up here quickly. And uh, I'm going to get him to tell us. (coughs) Martin, you told us, you told me, or you told us in our home group about some uh, interesting conversations you had. over the last week. Tell, tell us. Yes, I, I have my hair cut in town sort of once a month and uh, I uh, chat to Charlotte who cuts my hair about life and stuff and church. And um, uh, this has been going on for a little while. Then last time I went to see her, um, she said, oh, um, my daughter wants to get christened. Her daughter's about five. And um, she's very interested in starting to come to church. And um, so I've invited her along to St Matthew's. She hasn't been yet, but uh, hopefully when I see her this week, I'll be able to encourage her a little bit more. All right. And uh, I think there was a... Was there an interesting coincidence around around that? There was. um, A couple of days after I had um, spoken... uh, After she told me that she wanted to start coming to church, um, I got a text message from Paul Fulton from Kids Church. And he said, 
I was just having my hair cut this afternoon when um, Charlotte, um, who cuts his hair, um, started talking about her daughter who wanted to start coming to church and go to uh, a Sunday school. And um, yeah, so it turns out that Paul and I have our hair cut by the same person and we had exactly the same conversation with her. <laughs> so it's been really easy to talk to Charlotte about church and faith. Mm-hmm. So is it, is it, Martin, is it only in, in the hairdressers that you have these conversations or anywhere else? <laughs> No, um, at the gym as well, actually. Um, there's um, one of the uh, um, personal trainers at the gym uh, got married at the end of last year. And um, sadly, within three weeks of his marriage, his wife left him. And um, so at home group, we, we prayed for that. I didn't really know how to talk to Ben um, about church at the time. But uh, um, a few weeks ago, uh, he was sitting there on a bench in the gym and his head was down. He said, Oh, I'm feeling a bit depressed today. He said, but when I feel depressed, I just have a word with him upstairs. I said, oh, do you have a faith then? He said, oh, yes. And he picked up his T-shirt and he's got John verse, uh, 3.16 tattooed across his um, belly. And it uh, <laughs> turns out that he used to go to um, church camps, Christian camps, when he was younger. Um, but he tends to find sermons boring and kind of dropped out of church. So I'm able to now encourage him to have these conversations about church with him. Um, and actually, he's not the only one. There's um, uh, Cecilia, um, a woman who trains down there. I've got talking to her as well, and it turns out that she is also friendly with some of my friends from Greyfriars. Mm-hmm. And so between us, we can encourage her to come to church mm-hmm. as well. So it's all been dead easy just through yeah. conversation. Brilliant. Well, Martin, thank you for sharing that. That's really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. And so taking, the, so taking the good news out there um, can be very simple. It's just the, those kinds of simple conversations that, uh, that we have in our everyday lives, in our everyday weeks. And I'm not sure whether you should bring her here. She might find the sermons boring, but, <laughs> but uh, no, that's, we'd love to see her here. Um, so that's a bit about going out there. And uh, so let's all be keeping our spiritual eyes and ears open for opportunities to do something similar and share those stories with one another because it's very encouraging. We also discussed in our home group this week um, the increasing pressure on low-income families in the community who are experiencing benefit cuts um, like the so-called bedroom tax and what can be done about them. Um, I saw an article in The Independent on Friday um, that was entitled Hungry Britain. And believe it or not, welfare cuts have now resulted in more than half a million people accessing food banks, like Faith in in Reading, the the one that we we collect food for here. We have those green buckets in the welcome area where we put put food in, and that that goes back to the Faith organisation. They package it into food parcels, and and they take it out to families all over Reading. I know there are hundreds all over Reading who already cannot afford to buy food for themselves. And uh, Andrew Cobb said at the home group that he thinks we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg right now in terms of the effect of these benefits cuts. And so I think we need to be thinking and praying about how, as a church in an urban priority area, we might be able to be good news to the community um, in more ways than, than just that. So there's some thoughts about being good news out there. But what about being good news in here? Very briefly. In other words, how can we be good news to people who come through the doors and try out church? 
But also, how can we be good news to those who've been worshipping at St Matthew's for years and years and years? Well, hopefully, we're already some of the way there. But I think it takes three things in balance to be good news in here. Firstly, the good news of God's love has to be communicated in a simple and understandable way. Last Sunday, we had over 300 people come through the church who are not regulars to two of the baptism services. And I believe that we were indeed good news to them. Andrea spoke very simply and very movingly about God's transforming love in a person's life. And I know at the very least, one of the dads came up to me afterwards and said that he had been deeply moved by what he'd heard. And uh, the challenge we face as a church is, how do we make that good news equally accessible every Sunday and not just occasionally? Secondly, we need to recognise that change can be difficult for those of us who've been going to church a long time and are used to certain traditions and styles of worship, and we need as far as possible to make St Matthew's a place for everyone. And the PCC has commissioned a team to look at this, and we're looking at ways in which we can change and develop and move forward um, on these issues. And we, we may well be coming to you and speaking to you and getting your opinion on some of those things. And thirdly, so that's two things, the third one, finally, is we need to have excellent pastoral care within the church. Um, uh, we need to be looking after each other really well, as well as some structured per, um, pastoral care, so that whether we are a new person who is struggling with a family problem, or an older person who needs more support and help, or anyone who needs a listening ear, the church family will come alongside and be there for one another. Now, of course, I know my wife, Kirsty takes a bit of a lead in this area at the moment, um, but it's a church-wide responsibility and something that I believe is a great strength here at St. Matthew's. Final little story to co- as, as a reflection on, on all of this. Kirsty and I, when we visited um, the church in South Africa where our daughter is now attending, um, when she first visited that church, she was uh, welcomed warmly and, and invited in, um, and she was invited to join one of the home groups, just like they have home groups, just like um, we have home groups, who meet during the week in an evening. And uh, the amazing thing is, we were so delighted, the amazing thing is that her home group has actually changed the language that they speak at home group in order to accommodate her, because Kylie is a foreigner. They are, all her home group are Afrikaans people. They speak Afrikaans as their main language. Uh, English is a, is a second language. But they've all made the sacrifice of even changing the language they speak in their home group in order to welcome her into the church. Isn't that a wonderful thing to do? And the scriptures this morning tell us that God's heart is not just for the in crowd, but for the foreigner, for the outsider for the people on the fringe. Of course, it's also for the faithful, for the churchgoer. Of course it is. And the early church took great care of its own, as, uh, as well as caring for outsiders and orphans and widows. And that's our goal for St. Matthew's, because it's the good news which Jesus came to proclaim and for which he gave his life on the cross. That's why we need to be a church of open doors in order to be good news, both inside and out. Amen.